This morning, we are going to continue in our series that we are looking at the I Am's of Christ. And uh, we looked last week at Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then in John, all these in the book of John. This week, we're going to look at where John 15, where Jesus says that I am the true vine. And we're going to look at how that impacts us and what He wants in our lives today. John chapter 15, we're going to look at, Lord willing, these first eight verses. And we're going to look at this title, Are You Bearing Fruit? Are You Bearing Fruit? Stand for the reading of the Word, if you would, this morning. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more, more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And if ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Are you bearing fruit? Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, thanking you for the vine that, Lord, you are. And that, God, that you have a plan in each and every one of our lives. And, God, it's for us to produce. God, it's for us to allow you to work and to live within us, God, so that it changes us from the inside out. And God, I pray this morning that you would help us, God, that through the anointing of your word, that God, that you would speak this morning, encourage us, God, that we would bear not just fruit, but much fruit. Almighty God, that every single one of us would find a place in this altar, God, and that your spirit is able to flow through us and to do mighty things through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. As Jesus makes this declaration and encourages His disciples with these words, He's leaving the upper room and He's making His way to that Garden of Gethsemane. His ministry is over with these men. And He's concerned. He's still teaching them. He's still expounding them one last time. He's giving them this encouragement because He knows very shortly He's going to be going away and it's going to be left up to Him. He's been pouring Himself into these young men or these men for three years, over three years. And he's trying to, he's wanting to encourage them as he passes the temple as, as an illustration to be able to uh, see what he's talking about. There is a decoration at this temple and it's the, one of the chief ornaments of the temple and it's a golden vine that has a cluster of grapes as large as a man. And he's using this to let them see and to remember you are those grapes. I've been pouring into you, and now you're bearing fruit. Now what are you going to do about it? Are you going to reproduce more fruit, or are you going to dry up on the vine? And so he encourages this. What's even more concerning is that one of the twelve, 
at the very moment he's instructing these men, has now went out to betray him even unto death. Jesus has been pouring himself out, and yet one of them, even in the presence of God himself, has allowed himself to be so disconnected from his relationship with God that he has gotten so greedy, the world has drawn him so much that greed's got a hold of his heart, and he has lost out with God. In fact, he's betraying the Son of God right as we speak. To show you that our hearts, that we can be in the, we can go to church every week. We can have an experience of going through the motions and still not know God. And so he's encouraging them, don't let that happen to you. You know, Paul dealt with this too. One of his close friends that would been ministry with him and, and he cared so much for in 2 Timothy 4.10, he talks about Demas. And what happened to Demas? He said, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And departed into the Thessalonica. He left the faith because the love of this world is pulling at him. And it's such a, it's such a current. That's not just in the old the New Testament that this is going on. It's going on a lot today. This world will draw people, and you can go through the motions. And what this word is saying, and we're going to see today, is that what God wants from you is for you to bear fruit. And we want to make sure that we don't let something get a hold of us to pull us away from that. In fact, it tells about people that, have, that are going through the motions and really they maybe have a pretending faith. They don't have a relationship. They're just going through the motions. And 1 John 2.19 tells us about them and says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. People that are just going through the motions. People that are just getting close to God, but not letting God close to them and not letting Him in their heart. And so therefore, we see that that is something that He's warning us of today. Uh, verse 1 there tells us about this vine. It says, Jesus says, He says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. That means that there's a bunch of false vines. There's other things that we can, forms of religion that we can uh, invest ourselves in that maybe satisfies the agenda that we want. But the Lord says, you know, if you want to find true life, you'll find me. Sure. He says, I'm the way, the yeah. truth, and the life. I'm the, I'm the true way. I'm the true vine. Yeah. And my father is the husbandman, that gardener that planted this vine that brought forth life so that you and I could be engrafted in the vine and have life. What The thing about a vine is, it, is the vine doesn't produce fruit. The vine, the, the, the sap, the lifeblood of the vine is what that flows through those branches that grow on the vine and then they are the ones that produce the fruit. The vine is responsible for the life and the branches then as they grow and mature, they are to produce fruit. And that's what God wants to do in our life. This, this vine is what we, when we get saved, the difference is when we go down at that altar and we give our heart and life to the Lord and He washes us clean and He makes us pure, then all of a sudden we're engrafted in this vine of, the, of Jesus Christ and His blood and now He flows through us. And that's why when you get up, you are a different person because you're now tapped into a different source than you were before you got saved. And so there is, there is a call for us to be real and for us to bear fruit. First, we're going to look at the purpose of the vine. What is a vine for? And we know a vine is to produce 
fruit. That's the number one reason that we see. That's the purpose. That's what God wants to do. In fact, to find that purpose, if you look at the last verse, we're going to start at the last verse and see what is God's ultimate purpose with, this, with the vine. What is His ultimate purpose with you? It says in verse 8, the first part of that, herein is my Father glorified. God will receive glory through those who are fruitful because of what His Son is doing through their life. He's going to receive glory. That's what He wants to do. It goes on in that verse and says, that ye bear much fruit. It doesn't say that you bear some fruit. It's that you bear a little fruit. God's purpose in your life if you want to find it and underline it in your Bible, that's where He wants from you that ye bear much fruit. He doesn't want you to be just status quo. He wants your life to be abundantly overflowing. Why? Because the life of His Son, that's what it does in our lives. When we get saved, it changes us from the inside out. And so He wants you to bear much fruit. What is this fruit that it's talking about? We keep talking about fruit. Of course, we see grapes on this picture. It doesn't tell us what this fruit is. But this word fruit is translated about five different ways in Scripture. And many times we know that when we get filled with the Spirit and God's Spirit is within us, it talks about a fruit and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians, I think, 5.22 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And you can see just different pieces of fruit as a kid in your children's church classes or in your little Sunday school classes. We, you may actually have pieces of fruit with these words on them. So you kind of understand that when your life is full of the Spirit, you're going to produce these. You're going to have love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are the fruits of the Spirit that doesn't come natural in a carnal body. You don't have peace when you're not saved. You just don't have it. You have anything about it. You, don't, you may have love, but it's a selfish love. It's a love many times that you're looking out for you. But all of a sudden, when the love, just like what Christ displayed for us on the cross, He came with a love that caused Him to give. He did not come to receive. He came to give His life so that you and I could actually find life through His sacrifice. i got a spider up here trying to get me. Okay, so but we see that it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. In these verses, that's not the fruit it's talking about. The fruit that it's talking about here is talking about the fruit that you produce bringing others into the kingdom of God. Did, does God put His presence in you just to make you feel good? Uh, yes, it's wondrous what He does, and we do feel good, and we found peace, and we find joy. When I got up from getting saved, man, I was a different person, and man, I knew it. It's a wondrous thing that He did. That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. He wants you to go tell people about it. Why do you think that it says with the mouth... The confession, what? There you go. It's made unto salvation. With your mouth, confession. It's got to do with you telling others about it. God doesn't do... If God heals you from cancer, do you think that you're going to sit there and be meek and say, well, I ain't going to tell nobody. No, you're going to be the one running up and down the aisle and saying, "Woo! let me tell you what God did for me. And so when God saves us and when God does a work in our life, He wants us to... Tell about it. He wants us to allow that fruit because that fruit, when you're a Christian, when you've really given your heart and you're surrendered to Him and you're tapped into that vine and His Spirit's flowing through you, let me tell you something, it's going to produce something on the outside. It's going to cause a response. I'm not saying you're going to have to be the most dynamic, loud person in the world, but when you get around people, there's going to be fruit that's going to be following and people's going to be able to see that God did something in your life. It's important. Jesus even told about this when He gave the parable of the talents. Now, he's talking about money. 
in the talents that he gave this person and he gave this person and he gave this person a certain amount. And then he come back and there's, a, there's a, and here's something in this verse you need to realize. There's accountability. God's examining his fruit. But in the parable of the talents, the master comes back and he takes account. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with that spirit that I put in you is what he's saying. I put my presence, I put my spirit, I saved you. What are you doing with it? And then there was great results out of the first two, but the third says, I knew you was a fearful man, and therefore I hid it and buried it. And he was very displeased with that. That wasn't the right answer. He had what he gave him originally deposited within him, and he did nothing with it. And there was judgment brought on this man. And that's exactly what he's talking about. It's what are we doing what, with our life? And that last part of that verse 8, this purpose, so shall ye be my disciples. He wants to make you a disciple. What is a disciple? It is someone that has been with someone else and now they are made like them. They have conformed themselves to be like this teacher, this, this person that they've been around. And then they go out and bring in new disciples. They bring others. He wants you to bring in others to Christ. That's one we talked about a minute ago, Easter. You know one way you bring them? Invite them to church. Tell them what God did for you. And when you know that they're in need, call them and pray for them. Help them, and you can be that, you can bear fruit. So we're going to see that that was the purpose of the vine, and we're going to see three responses. When he examines us, the master, God himself, examines our hearts. You ever been examined by God? Have you ever had God examine you? And I've had, I've had some of you looking at me like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. If you got saved, you had God examine you. That Holy Spirit put a beat on you and a, big, and a big spotlight in your heart and you felt the guilt of your sin and it was heavy on you. But there's times God examines us when we get saved. you know that? Is there any time God put a beat on you and said, that's something I want to take out of your life? <laughs> that's something I want to work on in your life? God examines us. And there's three responses. The first two is good. The third one is not. We're going to jump. To, we're going to look at number one. God, we're going to look at the response is pruning the vine. God prunes. You ever prune anything in your yard, in your garden? Verse 2, the second half of verse 2 says, And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it bring forth more fruit. That word purge there is better interpreted prune. And, and that word prune is when you trim away part of a bush, plant, or flower, so with the intent that it bring forth more fruit or grow more. And so, but it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes we think, well, how in the world is that the case? You cut me back and I'm going to grow? But we see that this, this vineyard, this, this gardener that would plant this vineyard, there was two times, in, at least two times in a season when they're growing these vines, that they trim. One at the end of the season, after the harvest has happened, toward the end they start cutting it back and cutting the dead growth and the things that were the harvest had been, cutting it back to the vine to get ready for the next harvest and the next season. But then when it comes springtime and it's starting to grow, then the gardener will come back and he will look at the blossoms and look at the things that's growing and look for things that aren't growing correctly or maybe he's not producing the way it should and trim it then so to make room for new growth. Have you ever had a tree? I've had this in my front yard. I had some uh, Bradford pears. And they're growing, and they're growing, they grow well. I mean, they grow well. They grow very well. And sometimes you need to trim them because sometimes all the, the, the uh, branches are growing out, and then you'll have one crazy limb that's trying to go right through the middle of two of them, growing crooked and crazy, and it's kind of cutting two off and bending up in them. And you know, if I leave that, that's going to cause me problems down the road. And so even though it's growing, even though it's got life, and it's full of life, 
to make that tree more bountiful, to make that tree grow more perfectly and even, you have to cut some things. This makes me think of sometimes in the Word of God when God is dealing with us and the preaching's going forth or, and God's Spirit's moving and all of a sudden God puts a finger on something you wouldn't prepare for Him to put a finger on and He says, listen, I know you're growing and I know you're moving forward and you're listening to me in some areas but that one thing I got my finger on, that's something if I can get rid of that, I can make you grow even more. Sometimes God prunes us. Sometimes we don't like that. We don't like to be pruned. It's not comfortable to be pruned. God don't put a finger on me. Pat me on the back. Tell me I'm doing good. Don't tell me i got to give up something. But when God does, let me tell you something right now. Because it's hard to conceive. It's true though. When God prunes you, it's so that He can bless you even more. When God puts His finger on something in your heart, it's because He's got something just pinning up, ready to pour out on you. And He says, if you'll just let Him trust me in this area, if you'll let me trim you back, and you're growing and you're doing things, but there's some times in your life I'm going to trim and I'm going to put my finger on some things. And if you'll give it to me, you're going to see incredible growth in your life. You're going to see me spring forth in your life like never before. I've got a, I've got a tree of example, a bush. I guess it's a tree. A crepe myrtle. Is that a tree? Okay, a crepe myrtle. I tell you what, me and my wife, I've told you this before, every single year we have controversy over this tree because it is so big, it's right against our chimney, and this thing, and so we, this thing grows like crazy. And so to the top of the house and above the, it will grow crazy. So I, and, and we're going through this deal again, I'm, I'm getting ready to cut it tomorrow, and so we're already, she's got to be out there to make sure I don't cut it back too, she's worried, she worries that I'm going to cut it back too much. And I know you can cut some things, maybe, but maybe you can cut them back too far. But I can tell you right now, every time I cut it and I get to the level she wants and I get it cut, it doesn't take no time. It's right back where it was before. In fact, it's thicker than it was the last time. That's what pruning does in our life. It actually doesn't cut you back and move you backwards. It moves you forward. You grow even more and stronger and more vibrant. And so we need to allow God, God, when He examines our life and He's examining what He's able to do, His life's within us and we're growing, but there's times that He says, I, I need you to do something about that. That's something that's not going to make you better. It may not be wrong, but it's not something that I want. You need to do this. You need to do that. Listen to Him and you'll find you'll find that He will reward you. You know, so there's pruning the vine. You know, there's purifying the vine. I, I hadn't seen this before. I was reading a little bit about these grapevines. It says in verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to His disciples. And in reference, He's talking to us. He's saying, I've already been working on you. But what He's talking about, there's a purifying, this cleaning of the vine. I was reading that so a lot of times with these vines, especially early in the harvest and the rain season, when they're getting heavy and they're starting to produce, that some of these vines will get heavy with stuff and it'll actually sink down into the ground and all the rain and stuff will beat on it and mud will cover it. And so it can't, if you just leave it the way it is, then it will, uh, it will actually cause damage. It could actually probably cause uh, rot. It probably could cause... Uh, it probably it lets things get to the vine that probably couldn't before and it could cause maybe disease in the vine. So what, is the, what does this gardener do? He comes and he pulls these vines up out of the mud. He washes them clean and he props them up even higher. Why? So that they can produce even more. There is a process that goes on in our life that the Lord wants to purify us. The Lord wants to lift you up. The Lord wants to use you. But we've got to make ourselves available because sometimes we get bogged down with some of the things 
that were going on and some of the things that were going against. David was wanting God to have his way in his life when he said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He's talking about, Lord, I want you. I want to prosper. I want you to be able to examine me. And Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. And he says, Lord, I want you to lift me up. And therefore, I want you to put your word. That word is what we is used to purify us. The word of God is what shows us. It's like a mirror for our soul to where we read this and we say, Lord, I don't measure up to that. I don't measure up to that, Lord. And so God says, I'll help you and I want you to. I want to purify you. I want to help you. So we see that God will, um, when he examines us, he will prune us. And he'll purify us. But there's times, and this is what we don't want, there's times that um, he will purge the vine. This word that's used here that's in the King James is actually this word I looked up, the word purge, it means remove. It means completely cut out. And, and the definition that I read says to purge is to get rid of something or someone, and often it's done suddenly. And so we see that it says here in verse 2, the first part of verse 2, this purging the vine, it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. In verse 6, it says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Sometimes a branch that maybe was so vibrant and full of life, all of a sudden something happens to it, disease sets in or Something happens in the, the water under the ground. Something happens and all of a sudden the life-giving flow of nutrients and water can't get to it anymore and it dies up and it dies. And there just comes to a point where you try to save it and you can't. I've got another tree in my yard that's in this spot. My backyard this last week we determined this last year I was ready to do something about that tree. I, you'll, you get the picture pretty quick. I want to get rid of them all and she wants to keep them all. So we have this other small tree. Like it's almost like a little pine. Usually those are very vibrant. I don't know what the deal is where this one's located. But for years, this thing's gotten more shriveled and more uh, sickly looking. And no matter what we did, she was worried about me. Don't trim too close to that. Take, you know, all this stuff she's doing to try to save that thing. And finally, this year, we was back there. And she finally looked at it and says, I guess it's time to cut it out. There's no hope. It's dead. I've been seeing that for a while, but she's just now seen it. But when God looks at us, I pray that he doesn't say, I've, I've tried, I've been working, I've dug around you, and I've, I've put fertilizer around you, and I've poured out my spirit upon you, and I've been trying to draw you, and I've been trying to work in your life, and yet you push me away every single time. There will come a day in each one of our lives if it's not before the Lord comes back, and that could be, that's probably the next event on the spiritual calendar is his return. But there's coming a day in each one of our lives we won't get another chance. Right. We won't get another chance to be fruitful, to be plugged into and grafted in that vine. And the answer for those is that he calls us dead. And he digs us up. He, he purges us. Jesus gave an example of this. Jesus was hungry. Jesus, you, Jesus was busy, a busy guy. And I don't know how he did, uh, how he even functioned because it seemed like all he did was pray and minister to people. But we see that he's seen in a distance a fig tree and he was hungry. And it was the season where there should have been figs. And so he was hungry and he went with expectation. And he went to this tree and there was nothing. It wasn't producing anything. 
And he said, you are basically sitting here, you're, you're a hypocrite tree. You profess that you are a tree that's going to produce figs, but you produce nothing. Therefore, you're good for nothing. And he cursed the tree, and it shriveled up. Its chance was over. Why? Because God examined it. And in our lives, he's looking at this vine. This is not what he wants to do. In fact, he gives another warning. One of the last things he does in this book of Revelation, God gives a warning to those that have pulled away from the vine. He says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, he says this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy First love. You used to be full of life. You used to love me. You used to serve me with all of your heart. And somehow you have left your first love. You no longer are engrafted in me. You no longer are receiving my spirit and my presence in your life. And now it has altered you because you are not part of me. What is his judgment? Verse 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Remember where you came from and what you came away from. And now you're going to repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. He's saying there's a short time for there to be a turning back. You need to get back, uh, plugged in and grafted in my presence and in my spirit so that I can flow through you and that life can then reappear. And if you do that, then mercy is extended. But if not, there comes a time when death, just like on those trees or your plants, there comes a point. I've seen some trees, I mean, some plants do some amazing things. I've seen some plants that I would have threw in the garbage because they're so dry and shriveled up because they didn't get watered. And my wife can put water on those and very quickly, all of a sudden, life springs back forth. That's wondrous that there's that ability, but there comes a point when they get so dry that I don't care how much you water them, they're dead. And so that's what we want to watch because he's warning those in his body, don't try to live without my strength. Don't try to live it on your own. Don't try to live this world pleasing the world in your flesh and think that you're going to have anything spiritual. There's going to come a time when it's too late and I'm encouraging you to get plugged back into the vine of the life of Jesus Christ in your life. So we see that that's, we don't want that. That's not what we want. That, none of us would say, I'm, I'm in that camp and I want to stay there. So what do we do to avoid being purged and remain full of life and bearing fruit? That's what we want to do. Everybody wants to be full of fruit. And how do we do that? We persist in the vine. You've got to persist. You've got to stay there. That verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. This word abide is the key word of this whole passage. It's the key word. It's in there ten times. That word is in there. He's trying to get the points across that you need to abide. What does that word abide mean? It means to tarry or to stay somewhere. When Mary went to uh, Elizabeth's house, when she was expecting John the Baptist and Mary had just been told that she was going to expect Jesus Christ, she goes and it says in that scripture, it says, I don't have it up here, but it says, and she abode there for three months. What did it mean? She lived there. She made her habitation there. That's where she resided for the next three months. And so over and over and over again, the Lord is telling His disciples 
who He's poured into and He's telling us today, if you want my life flowing through you, if you want more than just a casual experience, if you want fruit to be produced in your life and you're saying, I don't see it, the only way you're going to do it is you've got to persist in my presence. That's why this prayer service is so important. That's why finding a time each day at your house praying, that's why it's time to get in the Word of God and let Him reflect and show us the things He wants us to do in our life. You've got to spend time with God if you want God to move and work in you and you want fruit to be produced. If we exa- Listen, examine yourself, but God examines us. There's times God examines us. And so God wants to produce fruit. The question is, are we producing it? Are we bearing fruit? He wants to do it. Judas had lost completely out. This is one of his disciples. This is, he trusted him with all the money. He knew. But this man was right in the presence of God. But, so don't sit there and, get, and convince yourself, well, I'm, but I go to church all the time and I'm there every Sunday and, and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to make it because I'm getting in church every Sunday. No, let me tell you something. Judas was right next to God for three and a half years. And yet... His heart was indifferent. He was cold. The devil was able to enter into his heart and he betrayed the Son of God to death. How in the world could someone be in that position where you see the Lamb of God healing and preaching and doing miraculous things every day, meeting needs, feeding the thousands, calming the waters, everything he did, and yet his heart was indifferent. That shows you that it's so easy to do it. It's so dangerous. And he's saying, the only way to avoid that, abide in me. Let your spirit be plugged in and engrafted in my spirit so that I, not only you abide in me, but I will abide with you. You see, when, when that branch is part of that vine, the life of that vine flows down the stem and it comes up into the branch. And when it does, life forms and fruit must produce. And so it's abundantly over and over. He wants you to abide in Him so that He and His Spirit would abide in you. You know, this is the key thing that he's trying to say us in these verses. And it's what he's trying to accomplish in your life. The key is abide in Christ. We need to stay persisted in the vine. Life is only accomplished in you by persisting in the vine. Life, that's the only way you're going to have it. Strength is only accomplished in you when you are persisting in the vine. Growth is only going to happen in your life when you are persistently pressing in in the vine and getting a hold of God. And fruit is only accomplished as the final result when you are persisting in the vine. God's looking at us, and God doesn't want us just to have a profession with a mouth. But there's something about the God's presence within us. It just becomes automatic when God is living within us. It causes something to happen on the outside. You don't have to worry as anybody can do it. You will know. People will know that you are living for God because of what He's done on the outside after you are, are, are engrafted within that vine of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. I'm the vine. You've got to stay. He's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to go back to the Father. And He's saying, listen, Ben, you can only accomplish. Hey, Peter, I've been working on you a whole lot. But you're only going to be able to accomplish what you are called to do if you abide in me, in my presence, in my spirit living within you. That's the only way you're going to do it. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Hey, that's the way it works. It would be like here. The branch can do nothing on its own. 
if I were to take that branch and you take that, that beautiful uh, uh, rose bush in your front yard and the blooms are growing and I come to your house before service this morning and I decided we, we, we'd like to have some real uh, rose bushes right here in the middle of the sanctuary and we're going to grow some. So I get me a little pot and put water in it. I cut that stem off and I come put it here and I say, we're getting ready. Hey, there's life here and we're going to reproduce. That's the, you know, there's the branch and there's the fruit. So we're just going to see this is just going to keep growing just like it did in Patricia's yard or, or Sister Ward's yard. <laughs> and so would it happen? I'd come back next week and it'd be like shriveled up, right? Why? No life. It's been disconnected from the vine. There's no life now flowing into it. You can't do anything. What did he say? There, it, you, for without me, you can do nothing. You can't do a thing without me. How many's come to that realization in your life? I can tell you right now in my life, three of us has got come to that realization. I, I hope the rest of us come to it quicker. But let me tell you something. You can't do anything without Him. You can put on a front. You can say a whole lot of things. But without Christ living in us, moving in us, stirring us, cleansing us, we can do nothing. This is great. God's greatest desire in your life is to produce. Do you notice what it says this in verse 5? It says, if you, got, if you get it straight, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Realize you've got to be plugged into me. He that abideth in me, and I in him, what's the result? The same bringeth forth much fruit. Not some fruit, a little fruit. Every once in a while some fruit, much fruit. You're going to be busting at the seams. You know what that is? When God's presence is living within you, man, it's not, you can't contain it. When God's Spirit starts moving, when we start seeing God move like He wants to move in our services, we're not going to be able to contain it. We're not going to be able to contain. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when God starts moving and bubbling up, that's why some people today had to jump up and testify. Why? God's just bubbling up within them. You can't take it. You've got to say it. You've got to do something. You've got to be that light. You've got to bear some fruit. And so that's what God wants. That's what His greatest desire is with you. And so He has asked and, and He's produced. He has given His Son for you an opportunity for you to have life, an eternal life through the vine of His Son, Jesus Christ. Without Him, you will have no success. Without Him, you'll have no eternal life. Without Christ, you're as a dead branch that's going to be cut and removed. You have no choice of producing fruit. Verse 7 says, If ye abide in me, there's that word again. And my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You mean that if I abide in Christ and He's the central part of my heart, that it's going to impact my prayer life, that whenever I pray, God's going to do the miraculous and God's going to answer that those needs? Absolutely. You know what happens when God becomes the center focus of our life and His presence is flowing through us and He becomes the central desire of our life that when we're in His presence, He's changing in us and He's making us more like Him all the time and all of a sudden His desires becomes my desires and your desires so that we get in His presence and we say, God, make me fruitful. God, let me say something today. God, let me be a vessel you can use. God, let me look more like you than I did yesterday. And when you pray a prayer like that, guess what? God's going to answer every single time. It changes the way we pray. It changes what we pray. It changes the fact that we do pray. As James says, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. We learn to ask God. Why? We've been with Him. Hey, we have confidence. We ask God for things. Why? We just got out of His presence. We know He's right there. 
You ever been over at mom and dad's or somebody like that and, and you had a need and you knew you was right there talking to them and if you bring it up, they're going to take care of it. We know that that happens. And so we get in God's presence. We just left it. God's been, every time you get in God's presence, He's making you a little bit more like His son. That's what He wants to do. Why some of us don't have enough freedom to look like Jesus enough, and, and I'll start with me, is because I need to spend a little more time in His presence. The more you spend in His presence, the more He makes you like His Son. And the more He works and grows through you, and fruit will, you'll start seeing fruit produce. And all of a sudden, you'll see that you change. I, 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 it amazes me sometimes, the more you draw close to God, some of the things that you'll start seeing yourself do that you knew you didn't do before. You'll start having concern for people. You may call and check on them, or you may find somebody at work that's going through something, and you call them up and say, can I pray for you, or whatever it is. You'll find that you care for people more than you ever did before. Why? You're bearing some fruit. You're bearing some fruit. What is bearing fruit? It's giving God glory, because th that fruit is not you. Because we already said, if we cut you off from the vine, and you sit there, and you can look all pretty for a day or two, but you're just going to start drying up pretty quick. The only reason fruit ever grows in your life is because you're engrafted in the presence of Jesus Christ. He wants to work in your life. And we again come where we started from in verse 8. We see the very purpose. This is it. So He encourages them. He tells them what the consequences. And He tells them, don't do it right now. You're doing good. And I've done all this uh, uh, preach to you. And I've been working on you. I've been pointing at things. I've been correcting you, Peter. I've been trying to get you straightened up and prepared for what you're going to face. But I'm getting ready to turn you loose. But he now is saying to them, this is my purpose. This is what God wants to do in your life. Is this what God's doing in your life? Herein, in verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. If we say we're Christians, that's the same as saying I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we should be looking more like Him every day. And we should be producing every day, investing in other people, reaching out to other people, and they can see. What happens to that fruit tree that's in your yard? Whenever you're hungry, you can walk out and you can pick from it. And you can glean from it. What's going to happen? New fruit's going to go right where that was. And so people are blessed through the life of that tree, just like in our lives. This, this, these grapes that we see, they are abounding, and they are made to satisfy the desires of other people. And they will reproduce, and they bring life to others that eat them, and they impact others. That's what God wants to do in your life. The question I have for you and me, are you and I bearing fruit? It's not everybody else's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's the saint's job. It's what he said. He's telling this to his disciples. It's the last thing he's telling them before he gets ready to go to the cross. He's telling them, you need to bear fruit. And if you're not, you must not be abiding in the vine. Abide. Why does he say it ten times? Because that's the most important thing. You've got to abide in me. You've got to call on me. You've got to get a hold of me and let me flow through you. And when you do, you will automatically bear fruit. It's not something you work up. It's not something that you try to do in your own self. You can't. It's only as we abide in Him that we will produce fruit. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Are we tapped into that vine? Is His life flowing through us? Or is He wanting to prune us? Is He wanting to uh, purify us? And Lord, we need to keep praying and seeking His face for those that we're praying for that He will not 
uh, 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 prune, or not prune, but purify, or, or actually purge those that have just rejected him. So many, that was, that was a fear in my life so many, so many times. Lord, I, the devil kept saying, you've went too long. You've went too long. You have no hope. Ah, oh, but the Lord is still moving, examining our lives. Even today, he's examining, even in this service today. If you would stand this morning and bow your heads. Almighty God, Lord, I know that God today, that your presence and spirit is here. And Lord, that you're examining. Lord, examine me. Examine every one of us. Almighty God. Lord, that we would be able to answer that question. Lord, are we truly bearing fruit? Are we, are we so full of your life? Are you able to flow through us so freely that God it is abounding, overflowing with fruit and a testimony that you live within us? Because God, it is impossible that you live within us and God fully live within us and it not impact what's going on on the outside. Lord, it changes us. It causes us to see people differently. It causes us to respond differently. It causes us to have a different heart and desire. And God, I pray this morning that you would, as you examine us, Lord, if there's some things that needs to be pruned, Lord, if there's some things that needs to be purified, whatever it is, God, that you would work and that you would deal, shine your light within our hearts this morning. Because, Lord, we do not want to be purged. We do not want to one day stand before you and be able to say, but God, I used to be green. I used to be tapped in. But he would be able to say, Lord, uh, to us, oh God, that oh, something's happened and you lost out. You lost your connection with me. You moved moved away and you love the world too much. God, I pray this morning that not be the case in one soul that's here today, but every one of us, Lord, would be overflowing abundantly when we leave today with your mighty presence and power. God, you move, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. This morning, I just want to ask you this morning, you may be saying that I, I, I'm not part of that vine. I know that I don't have any fruit. I know that that's not me and that I'm not living for Christ.